Welcome to the Gold Standard here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. And I'm Adam Vingan at Adam Vingan. In studio today, Adam. We haven't done this in a long time, my friend. Good no. to see your face, buddy. I guess it's okay to see yours, too. Yeah, that sounds about like my wife would say it. So uh, welcome to the show, everybody. Uh, off and running. We've got a lot of stuff to get to today. Obviously, not a great week last week out on the West Coast in the Pacific Division. They do bounce back and pick up a couple of wins, so four points over the last two games. Um, obviously, a dominating performance by UC Soros uh, against Ottawa on Tuesday. Not as dominating against Philadelphia over the weekend, those pesky flyers, but they did get two points. They collect four points, and, and that's really what we're doing now is scoreboard watching. So uh, at time of taping, 82 points, technically ahead of the Blues, but two games in hand for the Blues. So really still holding on pretty firmly to that top wild card spot. So we'll get to... A, a, a philosophical question, Adam, that you'd like to raise, which is, and I think you picked this up from John Hines' post game on Tuesday against Ottawa, is that he wasn't particularly happy with how they won that game, I would assume, uh, because of all the high-danger chances they gave up to Ottawa. Um, but it's a question about how you win or just win, what is important for a hockey team around this time of year to be doing. We'll get into that. Because of all the positive things we're going to talk about, there is a question of, why is this team still scrapping and clawing to hold on to a wild card spot if, in fact, they are breaking all these historical franchise records? So a lot of that stuff, some of the negative stuff coming up a little bit later on in the show. We're talking. We're going to talk about Tanner Janot, which he needs to be talked about. Um, we'll talk about Roman Yossi, the goal chase, uh, all that good stuff here on the front end as well. Before we do that, Adam Vingan. Yes. The gold standard is brought to you by. Did you forget my name there for a second? No. Or I would never. What we, or what we were doing. Jaspers. It's called a dramatic pause. Mm. A pregnant pause, as they call it in the radio biz. Maybe. I don't know. You're, I feel you're, like dramatic you're the a, radio expert. I feel like dramatic pause has a positive connotation and a pregnant pause. I never understood negative, the, but I the why it. it's called a pregnant pause. I don't either. I don't either. Um, My I'm wife su- didn't really pause that much when she was pregnant. And I'm assuming our listeners will let us know exactly how stupid we are for having this conversation. Yeah. Uh, a question from a, from a listener, by the way, we're going to answer today as well, which is how many wins... In April, does this team need to sort of get itself into the playoffs? And they've got 15 games left now. They're turning the calendar on uh, Wednesday, so or on Thursday. It, by the time you're listening to this, it'll be April Fool's Day. So I guess happy April Fool's Day. I think nothing from my company and, and from 440 Sports will be tricking anybody for anything because I think companies on social media playing April Fool's jokes are the dumbest, most played out things I've ever seen. Uh, but that's just my opinion as a grumpy old man who likes to yell at clouds. Well, there are plenty of clouds today as we record this, so <laughs> yes, there are. have at it. So, positive news. Uh, go to Jaspers, by the way. Did we actually say Jaspers? Yes. Did you say Jaspers? I did. See, this is the problem with being in studio with someone. I get distracted easily. Mm. Go to Jaspers. The parking is free. The drink specials for Nashville Predators games. Only 15 left. $3 beers, $10 burgers. They got new menu items. They got a new game room with ski ball and uh, all kinds of cool stuff in there. Papa Shot air hockey table, and it's a brand new, beautiful air hockey table. So no dead spots anywhere on the table. By the way, Steve Cavendish of the Nashville Banner, you are not allowed to trap the puck. You can't put the the, the, the paddle down on top of the puck on in air, in air hockey. I've no, learned, you learned. can't do that. He did it the entire game while we were watching basketball last weekend. No, you can't and do that. And I was that. like, Steve, what are you doing? You can't do that. That's weird. See, I'm not wrong. I wasn't wrong. I felt I feel better and, and validated. Go to Jasper's. The parking is free. The food is amazing. So qu- quickly here, anything you take away from the two wins, getting four points, they they finished the month of March nine and five. You could you could always take a chunk of games for any hockey team and sort of kind of pull out the stats you want. But four and two in their last six, six and nine, six and three in their last nine. Nine and five in the month of March. So a bounce back month in general in the month of March relative to February when they were three and five overall. Yeah. And, and we'll get into this more a little bit later with that existential question that mm. I was that I was talking about or you were or you alluded to. Um, look, at this point of the season, especially with how they were trounced in consecutive games on the road in Los Angeles and Las Vegas, it is important um, to, to win games, period. Um, but neither game was uh, particularly pleasing uh, in terms of, of the process of what they like to do and, and, and what they, they strive to do in every game. They were able uh, to escape um, a game against the Flyers, almost similarly to what the Flyers did to them a few weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
You know, they were down two nothing. They were down three one. I think they had allowed three goals on five shots. Um, you know, the Flyers were very opportunistic in the early going of that game. Um, to the Predators' credit, they bounced back, won the game, which they needed to do against Ottawa. They took roughly eight to ten penalties <laughs> in the first five minutes. It was, I think, three. Roughly. It, it was, was five penalties in the first period. Yes, and I think three in the first five minutes, which led to a five-on-three, which the Senators scored on to take a one nothing lead. That was their only goal of the game. Um, but I, I think from there, they, they got back a little bit to what they what they want to do it, it wasn't it wasn't perfect by any stretch of the imagination they they relied heavily on UC Soros to 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 win that game um which is okay from time to time we've talked about how UC Soros has stolen more games for this team than any goaltender has stolen for his team in the league this year i would absolutely i mean i would absolutely I don't know if last night's game counts as a steal statistically, but it certainly felt like it. Um, so at the end of the day, as you said, they continue to win. The teams around them that they're battling you know, are, are picking up points. The Stars, for example, uh, won a game late uh, on Tuesday evening in Anaheim um, to keep pace with the Predators in the, in the wild card race. Minnesota's um, won seven straight. They've won seven in a row. And the Predators, as we enter the month of April, uh, you said you have a list. I actually, if you want to talk about this now, we do have a listener question. You said about how many wins they you, we think they need to get. Yeah, just there's 15 games, and how many wins do you need to get to to get into the postseason? And they are pretty comfortably in the top wild card spot. So they have 15 games. But, so that's a maximum of 30 points. For me, I think it. I think about it more in terms of points than wins, because if you, even if you lose in overtime, you know you still get a point. So. How many points do I think they need? So how many points do they have now? Uh, eighty-two. Is that correct? Yeah, I think they need. To, I think they need points. I think they need at least at least fifteen. At, I, but I would probably skew more towards like eighteen to twenty. I, I'm assuming. I mean, that'd be ten wins in fifteen games. That's a that's a pretty hefty clip. So according to Tankathon, which is a new website that I that I found that I very much enjoy. Tankathon. Tankathon. They have <laughs> is remaining. This, is this dedicated entirely to people wearing tank tops at music festivals? It's it's not. Oh okay. Uh, Damn. But they have the remaining schedule strength in the NHL, and it says this looks at the team's remaining games and calculates the combined points per game for all of those opponents. The Predators, according to Tankathon's algorithm, have the fifth hardest remaining schedule in the NHL um, because as it breaks down, they play Colorado, Florida, Tampa, Calgary twice, Pittsburgh, and two against Minnesota. That's that's those are the toughest games left on their schedule. Then they play one each against the Coyotes, the Senators, the Sabres, the Blackhawks, and the Sharks. The last seven is real brutal. The last so five or six. they need to win those five games I just listed as the easiest game. Yeah, so yeah. let's say that's ten. I I think in a point in, a, in if we're just looking at if you get to ninety five points, I think they're safe. So you think they need at least thirteen points? I ninety five points feels safe. I'm yeah. gonna go with ninety seven. So I think okay. they need fi- at least fifteen of thirty. Yeah, that's when you say it like that. And I would probably just to be safe probably won at least 18 of 30. I, I think they need to maintain their current clip. Which is? Which is 39, 24, and 4. <laughs> yes. I mean, basically, they're they're two, two, I don't know, 4, 2, and 1, basically. I'm looking at the other teams that are chasing them in the wild card race. Vegas has the easiest remaining schedule. They, they play uh, Arizona, Seattle twice, New Jersey, Chicago, Vancouver three times, and San Jose. Um, Dallas is 28th out of 32. Um, yeah. Let's see who else is in that race. St. Louis is 19th. I mean, when, if we're going to include Vancouver and Vegas, then you got to include Winnipeg, Dallas. Like, there's those are the that's it. It's Vancouver, Vegas, Winnipeg, and Dallas, basically. Because I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm counting St. Louis as being ahead of them, basically, because of the points per game thing. I'm I'm barely considering Winnipeg and Vancouver. I really think it's really just I, Dallas and I, Vegas. I, at this point, I think it's if you're not including St. Louis. No, I'm counting the Predators as a wild card team. Right okay, now. so if you're not counting St. Louis, I'm I'm including the Predators, the Stars, the Knights, 
the Kings and the Oilers. The Kings are in, I guess, but they're in second place. How many points ahead of, of the Knights are the Kings? Five. With how many games in hand? Um, They're even. See, that's not... But that's, they're going to be a 2-3 seed. I mean, those are the two... I don't know. There's too many slots in the Pacific No, I mean, Division. five points is easily... They can easily make up five points. Well, then you have to include Edmonton. Yeah, then I you have include, to include St. Louis, too. Then you're including every. Then you're including everybody. I mean, to me, the only spots... To me, the only spots that are clinched, in my opinion, are Colorado is going to be first in the Central. Calgary is going to be first in the Pacific. And I think it's pretty safe that's to say Minnesota... I, I, pretty, I think it's pretty safe to say Minnesota... Is going to finish second in the in the central. I I would not say that yet. Okay. I, I would say that they are going to. I would still bet money on St. Louis, Minnesota playing in a first round series. Okay. But do you think St. Louis is going to overtake Minnesota? Probably not. But like so that so I really so I I think there's two the the division winners are clear for both both sides, and I think you can throw Minnesota in second in the central. I think everything else is up for grabs. That's fair. That's fair. Although I think really when you get down to it, I don't think Nashville is going to fall out of the playoffs. I think it's hard for them to get into that 2-3 matchup, although if Minnesota's going to be the matchup, then I think Predator Saints would be ecstatic St. about Louis that. St. Louis is not playing particularly no, well No, they're right not. Now. They're not. And so I think what you're rooting for is for Nashville to just maintain status quo. And St. Louis to continue for, to dip. And for St. Louis to have a couple of dips, and then all of a sudden you maybe sneak in and grab that three slot, and all of a sudden you're playing a Minnesota team that you've been very good against this year, mm-hmm. and you feel very good about that matchup in the postseason. Also, caveat, clear your throat, Every matchup in the postseason is tough, and every matchup in the postseason you can win. <laughs> so, right, it, so, it, right. But and I, they're not going to play Colorado. I think that's the most important thing is they won't have to play Colorado, probably. Probably. That's but Calgary is a buzzsaw uh, in its own right. Uh, right now, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, okay, uh, totally. Uh, that was good. We answered a, user, uh, a listener's question and did it out of order, and that's fine. I'm fine with that. Um, the good, because you talked about the good on Saturday against Philadelphia. Tanner Janot scores with, what, a minute and some change left to yeah, go? Yeah, about a minute 45 to win, to win that game. Or so, minute and a half. Beautiful pass from, from Yossi that was a slot pass uh, or a shot pass into the slot, and he buries it. The Gordie Howe hat trick, of course. Uh, Kara Hammer did steal your line, though, on the broadcast. And we love Kara, so we're only kidding here. But she definitely stole your 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 big dad energy line your bde now i think the predators Tanner's also Geno. may have said this too so maybe i stole it from them well and, can we get a timestamp? we can look this up either way it, it's it's all fun it's all fun you 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 said tanner Janot had that bde that big dad energy now what's fascinating about the bde in my opinion uh <laughs> is carrie using it on tv for an audience that probably has no clue, has no idea, no clue what she's referencing, and so when she clarifies and she goes, "That's big dad energy," no one has a clue that really the D stands for dick. <laughs> and now you do. Nobody knows that when she does it on the air, and she's like smiling under her mask, so you can't even see that part. And she's like, "Tanner, you know, had that BDE on Saturday, that big dad energy." No one understands the joke, and I think it's hilarious because everyone who follows you probably understands the joke, right? Yeah, probably. You've you've talked about Pete Davidson's BDE on the show before. Yeah, how? But to me, I mean, I, that's a entirely different conversation. But anyway, she stole your content. That's all I'm saying. Pete Come Davidson. On, Come on, with Kara. Kim Kardashian, it's too much drama. Just, and there are, Ariana Grande there and s- Kate Beckinsale. Stop, stop, stop. It doesn't make any sense to me. There are you are a famous comedian and actor. There are too many women in the world to pick on to pick these women. I'm sorry, that's my stance on Pete Davidson. Anyway, back to Tanner Janot, who had that big dad energy. The Gordie Howe hat trick. Now let me let me throw some numbers at you because Greg Wyshynski was on here a couple of weeks ago and he said Roman Yossi could win the Norris, and that and that Tanner Janot probably has no chance of winning the Calder. I would agree with that, unfortunately. I, I kind of do as well. But 23 goals now, which, by the way, is only three away from tying Philip Forsberg's franchise rookie record. Yes. forty, Which is first in the NHL in goals for rookies. 40 points, fifth in the NHL mm-hmm. for rookies. 239 hits, which is a single-season modern Predators franchise record. Not for rookies, but for all players. First among rookies. And I believe second in the NHL altogether. Yeah, first among rookies, obviously. Yes. 167 minutes of shorthanded time on ice. Mm-hmm. Third among all rookies. Mm-hmm. Leads all rookies in defensive zone starts, number mm-hmm. number one. And 12, and 12 fights, fighting majors, whatever. That's first in the NHL among rookies as well. I don't know why he wouldn't get more consideration for the Calder. I, I, who cares if you want to... 
win an award, I guess it's great to celebrate. And at the end of the day, we celebrate those kinds of things. That the it, what really matters is that he's been a really critical piece to this team. I, I don't know where you would rank him, Adam, in terms of important pieces. UC Saros probably number one. Roman Yossi probably number two. Maybe Philip Forsberg number three. But like, I'm not sure how much further down you go until you get to Tanner Janot. With the things that he does for this team and delivering in clutch moments, I don't know. I don't know how far down the list you go. I mean, he's up there certainly. And look, I remember he's no Cali Yarncroke. No, he's no Cali Yarncroke. I remember writing a story a couple of years ago, and this was before. Roman Yossi won his Norris Trophy, and that was actually before Pecorine won his Vezina Trophy. The Predators were in Toronto. This was when I was still at the newspaper. The Predators were in Toronto, and I thought it was a good idea to... I just got a text from my wife. My as a Sidebar. My, wow. Sidebar. No, it's funny. It's thanks funny. A lot, thanks a lot, Bridget, for so, de- derailing a really nice They're traveling. They're, they're traveling today to visit my brother-in-law, and I just asked how Arlo did on the plane, and she said he slept the whole time. He just woke up and pooped three times. So I'm so glad the audience got that insight into yes, your life. That's, that's, I'm really glad. But you know what? Tanner Janot is going to experience that himself that's as true. a new dad. So anyway. Nice recovery. So I was, I was writing this story about how I thought Toronto was a good place to do this. So, I, you know, the Predators had, at the time, had never won a major individual on ice award. You know, I think, I think Mike Fisher won the, yeah, yeah. the Those King things, Clancy yeah. Humanitarian Award or what have you. Yeah, yeah. Steve Sullivan won the Masterton Trophy. Yeah, yeah. But they hadn't won a Vesna, a Norris, whatever. So I wanted to, I wanted to talk to people who you know play a role in that process about like why the predators weren't getting more consideration for these awards and i and i talked to elliot freeman for the story um of sportsnet and and who plays a significant role in the voting process and and part of it is look even to this day nashville has certainly become a more prominent team in the nhl over the past several years i do believe however that the quote-unquote very heavy, quote unquote, small market thing still works against them when it comes to awards. How about non-traditional market? Okay, or non-traditional. Sean, Sean Henry would be proud of us. Ah, uh, yes. Non-traditional market. I still think it works against them when it comes to some awards. Now, you have when you have a player like Roman Yossi, who's, you know, breathing rarefied air this season in terms of the, of the uh, company he is keeping on his scoring pace, that's different. When the Predators were winning the President's Trophy and they were the best team in the league by a significant margin, that's different. I just think that outside of Nashville, and this is the same problem the Predators have, have dealt with for more than 20 years, I just don't know if Tanner Janot registers with people because he's not hes not Philip Forsberg. He's not Matthew Shane. Here's a better example. We talked. I think we talked about this. But that's not the job. I know, but this the, is what we talked. You don't about. get. You don't become rookie of the year in the NHL because you are good on social media. I, I understand that, but like we, I think fans. we may have talked about this before I, I went on leave. You know, Trevor Zegras. You know, he scored the. You know, he scored the amazing goal, and or he set up the amazing pass. I can't remember if he was on the receiving end or whatever. But anyway, you know, he was invited to the All Star game just to participate in the skills competition in the breakaway challenge. You know, his moments went viral. Like, that helps. Oh, I think it helps Kale McCarr in the Norris Trophy. Right. So, race, which is stupid. It's yes. stupid. So, I mean, I would have, I would have Tanner Janot in stupid my top three right now. Would he be my winner? I don't know. But he would certainly be a finalist I, in, my, in my mind. You guys know us and me on this show. I, I am not one that is prone to either hyperbole or recency bias or... Like Homerism, it's not. My, I'm not wired for Homerism. I'm wired to almost go the other way. I'm wired to be cynical, frankly. But w- watching Tanner Janot do what he does that doesn't involve goals, fighting, or hits, which is so much stuff. Again, number one in the NHL among rookies in defensive zone starts. He's a penalty killer and a goal scorer. Like I just, I, I don't. I think every other rookie. Uh, there's not. How about this? There's not a rookie in the league I'm trading him for. Not a not one. Interesting. I think I think like are there are there more talented rookies in the NHL than Tanner Chanel? Clearly, yeah, yes. Yeah. But is there a but when you consider this is fine. This is I I, I wish I had the reader. Go back to Moose Jaw, baby. Take I, me back to Moose Jaw. I, uh, I wish I had the reader reader's name 
but they left a comment on my story from the other night that said if the Predator's Way was a sentient being, <laughs> it would be Tanner Janelle, which is exactly right in terms of the player that he is yeah. and what this team is trying to be. He embodies the organization's shift in philosophy to get younger yeah. and to get tougher. And, you know, and to, like there's not a more perfect fit, I think. I totally, so that, so totally agree. So I, I do, you know, we've talked about this. You discount this a little bit more than I do in terms of how unheralded Jeannot was versus a lot of his competition in the Calder race in terms of guys who were first-round picks who were expected to do this versus a guy who went undrafted who was in the ECHL last season. I, so I don't discount it. I think it's a part of human bias, which is a which should not be a part of the voting process. So I, I agree with you that it's probably a factor. I disagree that it should be a factor. I think you should be evaluated on the merits of your accomplishments. Right. So. I just think his accomplishments are more impressive yeah, even, because yeah, yeah. of how we how we I, got here. I agree, and no That's, voter is going to think like that. So you're right, Adam. They're wrong. Well, like Michael Bunting is a rookie for the Toronto Maple Leafs who's having a good offensive season. He's also 26 years old, if I recall correctly, and <laughs> technically a rookie, which was the same conversation people were having five, six years ago when Artemi Panarin yeah. won the Calder Trophy when he debuted for the Blackhawks because he had played professionally in the KHL. It was like 24-25. Like, yeah. the way that the yeah. NHL just considers a player a rookie is very— I mean, Alex in- Carrier is a rookie. He's not really a rookie. Right. He's been so. a professional for several years. For like seven years. Yes. <laughs> right. But anyway. Um, okay, so— Should we talk about Tanner's uh, baby journey a little bit for those who— If you want to do that, yeah. I was going to I was gonna just wax poetically about Matt Duchesne and Roman Yossi. So if you'd like to wax a We wax poetic about them enough. Well, no, I— it's going to lead into our next topic. Okay. So go ahead and go ahead just, and talk I, about know, the baby. I, I, you know, I, I have a heightened sense of these things as a new dad myself, and I think the story of how Tanner Janot, uh got back to Nashville to be there in time for the birth of his his son was is, is interesting. And I know it's been talked about a lot over the past couple of days, but for those who who are unaware, so he was on the road trip uh, last week. They were in Vegas about to play a game. He was on the ice warming up when word came down that his wife had been sent to the hospital. Not it, not like morning skate, but like... No, like on the yeah, ice yeah. before the game, you know, warming up. And Brandon Walker, the team's director of team services, who does an excellent job coordinating everything, sprung into action and, and booked, uh, booked Tanner at an 815 Southwest flight back to Nashville. Nice. Um, what's funny is I asked Brandon if he paid for business select to, to, to guarantee get him off the one through 15. Get him off I guess, like, I guess 15 you, bucks, Nashville. Come on, Preds. But, but I, he said that he did, but I guess because of how soon he booked the flight, they, already, they couldn't honor it. They're already full. So I don't know where, I, I bet Tanner had like a C42 boarding pass. <laughs> he gets to the gate and he's like, for $15, you can be in the top 10. Like, come on, Predators, give him the 15 bucks. So, come on. So he, he, lands, he lands back in Nashville around 1.30 a.m. Central Time. Beelines to the hospital. Friday morning. Friday right? morning. Okay. He beelines to the hospital. His wife was at TriStar Summit, which is in Hermitage, which is around. Given a lot of personal information. Which is around where they live. I'm a journalist. I, I have, okay. This is what I do. Okay. His, the baby was he. The baby was born at. Here's another one of those very like you have too much information. Yes. Five thirty seven p.m. <laughs> when was your baby born? One thirty a.m. Okay, you know. Okay. Uh, five thirty seven p.m. So he didn't really have to rush. The baby was also born twelve days early. Oh, um, that's a that's a big deal. Yeah, that's my son deal. was born eleven days early. So it's so that my my uh my daughter arrived in true uh golf fashion on her due date mm. because. Of course, she's she's got rules. She's got regulations. Uh, I, I want to say my daughter was born six thirteen p.m. I should know this, yes. but I've I've had a second daughter since then, and yeah, my like mine's I'm turning a little bit six. Yeah, to yeah, it yeah. happening than you were. Yeah, so that, that was like that was a, that was pre pandemic. There was a pandemic ago. Now this is happened. completely anecdotal, but it, I, I feel like any time a, a a player becomes a dad, that first game they always just have. It's a big day. It's a big I, day. I remember I remember back in the day when I was still in Washington, Carl Alsner had a big game after I think like his first child was born. Like Carl, the list of those. Yeah. Alsner, Alsner um, is more of it was more of a defensive oriented defenseman. He didn't score very much and he scored in that game. And after the game, he talked about having that dad strength. So I still think <laughs> about that all the time. Like Tanner, you know, Tanner. It's akin has, to old man strength. Right, has never lacked for motivation. And that now he had like an overabundance of it because he yes, wanted to play yes. for his, 
play for his and son. You, so. And you get the game winner, you get an assist, and you get a fight. I, mean, I predicted that. I awesome. felt pretty good about it. I, I'm, not, I'm not usually good at making predictions, as you know, but I predicted that Tanner would have a Gordie Howe hat trick on Sunday, and, and, well, and, and indeed he did. Let's let's uh, let's inundate Preds fans. Let's inundate all the voters for the Calder Trophy with uh, data and stats and information about how good Tanner Janot has been. Um Matt Duchesne scored his 35th goal of the season, which breaks Victor Arvidsson's single-season scoring record and would be a Nashville Predators single-season record if not for Philip Forsberg, which means the two greatest goal-scoring seasons in the history of the organization are happening at the exact same time. Both could get to 40. And what's even crazier is that Matt Duchesne, six and a half, eight months ago, whatever, was left unprotected in the expansion draft and people were begging Seattle to take him. And now he is a now he holds would have hold held the record for goal scoring in a season. I, I just think that is a remarkable journey and story that only sports can give us. Yeah. And, and kudos to, to Matt, um, for, for 35 goals for Matt Duchesne right, this career, year. A career high, <laughs> his previous career high, uh, was 31 combined, um, in his contract year started in Ottawa, finished in Columbus. Um, I know that. A lot of Predators fans, more the more skeptical Predators fans, which I understand because I too am a natural skeptic, uh, uh, um, uh. you know, are seeing what Philip Forsberg is doing and just chalking up to him having a big contract year. What's Matthew Shane's excuse? He's very much locked into his contract. Um, and, and while I was out, he really on, wants Nashville to like him, right? While I was out <laughs> on leave, Matt um, Matt appeared on one of the Athletics podcasts. Which is also a you know if you're not listening to the Gold Standard, you should listen to the Athletic Hockey Show. Those are the only two to, hockey shows. I think you should listen to both of them. You should, but if you're not, there's only two hockey podcasts you should listen to, this one and that one. And I like it. Um, he was on while I was on leave, and he had a, you know it was really worth a listen. Matt Duchesne, of course, is a is a great uh, interview. Um, but you know we've talked about this a lot about the uh, adjustments that Matt, among others, had to make for John Hines and vice versa. And it seemed it seemed from afar that Matt Duchesne may have had the hardest time adjusting to what John yep. wanted the team to do. And that was reflected in the fact that he had the lowest average ice time of his career last season. And, and Matt goes into great detail about, you know, the conversations that he and John had and how they met in the middle and it's clearly working. So, yeah. you know, the fact he's that he's as confident as I've ever seen a player, you know, the in a fact that, season. you know, look, you know, we know that in professional sports, those, you know, we've been, you and I have been around them, you know, for our, most of our professional lives, you know, there are a lot of egos and it's hard to put those egos aside sometime, but you yeah. know, credit to Matt, credit to John for, for finding a middle ground that works for both of them, and it's clearly paying dividends on the ice. He he could get to Paul Correa's record at 80, of 80. How many points does he have? He's got 68 points. So now He would have to play at, a point, at an over-point-per-game pace. Needs, yeah, he needs 18, basically, to break the I record. Don't, I don't think he's going to make 85. I, I don't think he will, but I, like Roman I'm just saying. Will, it's because he's like right on the cusp. Of right, it. but it's possible, and both of them are playing at a higher point-per-game clip than the previous franchise record, which actually was Steve Sullivan, not Paul Correa. Um, what point, points per was, game? Yeah, it was points per game, and, uh, okay. and all three of them are going to break the record. All three of them in one season, which is which is stupid. Speaking of Yossi, uh, twenty eight points in March, and I, I bring this up not to just belabor the point that that Roman Yossi is really good at hockey. Eighty one points at time of taping, so again four points away from tying Paul Correa's single season record. But what I thought was interesting is is he finished with twenty eight points in March. Only Paul Coffey in December of 1985 and Bobby Orr in March of 1971 have ever had more points in a month, calendar month than of any defenseman in NHL history. Paul Coffey had 29 back in 85, and Bobby Orr had 31 points in the month of March in 1971. So not historically great for a national predator, not historically great for a Preds defenseman, historically great for an NHL defenseman all time. All time. So I just want to—it's it's the third greatest month per points production-wise by an NHL defenseman ever. That's—I just want to reiterate that. And when when we talk, we talked about the Calder Trophy, and I'm sure we'll talk about the Norris Trophy at some point, if not today, then on other episodes. But you know, the knock against the 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 Norris Trophy voting often is that the voters give it to the defenseman that has the most points, even though being a defenseman requires a lot more than 
putting up points. Yeah. We talked we talked we talked about this last right, week a little right. bit. Okay. So to reiterate, you know, if Roman Yossi reaches a hundred points, which hasn't been done in thirty years. Brian Leach, nineteen ninety two. Yes, correct. And puts him in the company of the two defensemen you just named, among others, who are all time greats. That's hard. That's hard for me to ignore as a voter. Five five defensemen have ever reached a hundred points. Correct in NHL history. Yes, he would be number six. Yes, Paul Coffey, Bobby Orr, Al McInnes, Brian Leach, and Dennis Pop. I don't know how you don't give him the award at that point. But that we've got we've got a couple more weeks to argue about that. Yes, uh, I just wanted to point out the, that he wrapped up the month of March after Tuesday's game. I yes. wish he would have scored that one point and kept the streak got, going. Got to twenty nine and got kept the streak going. But uh, either way, um, I, I will ask you this real quick, real quickly, because this is going to lead us into. The second half of the show is not going to be all flowers and roses, okay? We've got some tougher questions about this Predators team that we need to discuss. This first half was all about celebrating that BDE and Roman Yossi and Matt Duchesne. Um, of all of the streaks, outside of Roman Yossi's single-season points record, which he's hopefully going to break here in the next couple of games, do you is there a particular one that you are most fond of? Just as a, as a sports fan, take yourself away as a media member and just say, that one's the one that I find the most interesting or the coolest or the most fun or the most enjoyable of the, of, of all the, the predators ones. It has the, to be Roman Yossi. I mean, it, it, I mean, outside that's what I'm trying to take. That, and that's the easy answer, yes. but I, I, I'll give you my answer okay. outside of Roman Yossi. Cause I'm weirdly obsessed with this. Huh. It's, it's weird. I, I, Ryan Johansson has 17 goals. Roman Yossi has 18 goals. Yakov Trenin has 17 goals. I really want them to have six 20 goal scorers. I, I, I don't know why, but if they have two 40 goal scorers mm-hmm. and break and both of them break the record, then you have six 20 goal scorers, including a rookie with 20 goals. I, I feel def- you can say definitively that this is the greatest offensive scoring team in the history of this franchise from a forwards perspective, especially. I just think six 20 goal scorers is something that I like. Sometimes that would take three years for the Predators to have back in the day. Yeah. And so for some reason, I'm obsessed with that one. I don't no, know. If that's, that, that's fair. And, and I don't know if this still applies, but I remember seeing you know, maybe a week or two ago that there are only two teams in the NHL that have two 30 goal scorers, the Predators, Philip Forsberg and Matt Duchesne and the Oilers, Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. That's pretty good company. That's pretty, that's pretty good company. Yep. I mean, this is from a goals per game standpoint, the highest scoring team in Predators history currently. Yep. I mean, that could change over yep. the next 15 games, but if you're just looking at a straight goals per game average, no team in Predators history has averaged more goals per game than this one currently is. Which raises some interesting questions about the team. We are talking about the greatest offensive team in Predators history. We're talking about a goaltender in UC Saros that's, uh, you know, as as good as anybody in the world. A, a total workhorse. Roman Yossi is playing on another planet, historically, as a defenseman. Why is this team grasping and scrapping and clawing to hold on to a wild card spot? Why is it when they win 4-1 to one on Tuesday night that John Hines doesn't appear all that happy about it? There are some major, what did you what'd you say, esoteric? What did you say? What was the word? Existential. You, existential. Esoteric, I feel like, is the opposite. There, there are some existential questions that we are going to ask about this particular team as it pertains to the playoffs and what they're doing over the last month of the season. And we'll do all of that when we return right here on the Gold Standard. The Gold Standard is a podcast covering the Nashville Predators, featuring Adam Vingan of The Athletic, paid for good journalism, and myself, Braden Gall. And it is brought to you by the wonderful folks at Jaspers. And four top hospitality in general, but especially <laughs> Jaspers. There you go. Uh, the parking is free. The food is excellent. There's a grab-and-go market. There's a game room. There's specials. They're the next evolution of the sports bar. They got some new menus on the uh, menu items on the menu, new items on the menu, I should say. Um, $3 beers, domestic, $10 smash burgers for Preds games, and you don't pay for parking. So home and road, you get the same drink specials. There's also a cocktail. I don't know, Adam, if you do this. There's a cocktail named after this podcast. I, I, I've heard that. Did you know that? Would you like to go have one while your wife and baby are out of town? <laughs> Tempting. Preds don't play till Friday. That is true. <laughs> uh, so if you're looking for a place to watch Preds games or the Final Four or the NFL Draft or uh, anything else, I get college baseball is a thing now, I guess. Are, are you at your, you're probably, do you have big plans for Saturday with your uh, Duke Blue Devils? Do you have a, do you have a plan? What was that? That's my Coach K impersonation. Uh, boy, all those questions are terrible. Go Duke. 
does he moan like that? Yeah, there's just he's got kind of a nasally devil. Well, yes, looking... he does have a nasally voice, yeah. but kind of sounds a little bit like you two. Thanks, much appreciated. Um, <laughs> do I have big plans? No, because how do you have to watch the Duke Blue Devils by play myself. North Carolina in the Final Four by myself? You can't go to Jasper's. No, I can't. Too be much seen distraction. In, I can't see. I can't be seen in public watching this game. You're like me. I I like watching my favorite favorite teams in a small padded room with no sharp edges. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I need to I'm, be able to bang saying, my head against something. All I'm saying is that if my wife, who will be back in time for that game, not that she planned that, she's just coming back on Saturday. If she were to live stream me. <laughs> um, I would watch that. Like I, that would might be very entertaining. Are you more excited that it's Carolina or are you ner- more nervous because it's Carolina? I'm more nervous. I would be a lot more. I'm a lot more nervous. Like it, 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 <laughs> it's it, tremendous. Well, it's just because. Like, let's just say I'm trying to think of who could have come out of that region. Baylor. Let's say it was Baylor was the one let, seed. Kentucky say, was the two seed. Right. Let's say it was Baylor, and you know, Duke's playing the defending national champion. <laughs> there's no, there's no history between Duke and Baylor. If they lose to Baylor. You're, so what? Yeah, you're sad, but it's not. You know, but if yeah. they, but you know, but an eight seed. North Carolina. It's not even the fact that they're eighth seed. In it's Coach the, K's last game? No, it's just the <laughs> fact that if if North Carolina beats Duke, not only can North Carolina claim that they defeated Duke in Mike Krzyzewski's last home game, mm-hmm. but also ended his career uh-huh. and prevented him from winning a sixth national championship. Like, that's bragging rights for life. I agree. I think it's even worse if it's a huge upset as an eight seed. I think it's even worse. I, I, Duke know, has no business losing that game. You know what? Like, go to Jasper's. Uh, like, I know this is this is such a cliche thing when it comes to sports, but throw the record books out. Like, I, throw I the agree. seating out. I agree. Throw the seating out. It doesn't matter that they're an eighth seed because Carolina is playing really well, and 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 Duke, I think, it was galvanized by that loss. I think a lot of the things that was that was plaguing Duke at the end of the season have been rectified in the NCAA tournament. So yeah, it should it, be a great game. It helps having two lottery picks too. Multi- well, they could have three. Maybe, yeah, maybe more. Um, all right. Well, that's good. I'm, I, I'm like you. When I, if the Mets are in the World Series or if the Packers are in the Super Bowl, I cannot watch it around other people. Otherwise, I would go to Jaspers, as you should, to watch the rest of the Preds games this season. Go to Jaspers, everybody. All right, Adam, this is the negative portion of the podcast, or maybe the cynical portion or the honest portion of the podcast here. Uh, A couple of things we need to bring up. Number one, uh, over the last five games, the Preds have given up a goal first. Um, The other team has scored first in five straight games. Two of those were blowouts. Um, They had to come from behind to beat Philadelphia. Um, And John Hines wasn't particularly happy with the way his team played against Ottawa, even though it was a 4-1 win. And so I I think – I guess my first question is – if all of this stuff is happening that is so great, Roman Yossi, UC Saros, young players, Calder Trophy, greatest scoring forwards, goal records, all this stuff that is truly fun and genuinely awesome for the team. If all of that is happening, then why did we just have a conversation a few minutes ago about can this team not be a wildcard team? Like, Is that a fair critique of either the coverage, us, the job we're doing? Because you know we were very positive last week on the show. Is it fair to ask the team, like, hey, if you're this good at all these things, why aren't you, like, better? Why, why aren't you – why don't you have 89 points and are in second place in the division? Is that a fair question to ask? Yeah, I, I think it is. Um, and it, it requires really digging deep into the numbers, which we both like to do, as our listeners know. And it's 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 perhaps worth looking into um, because, like you said, they're, they're, they're playing – they're playing really well, like in terms offensively. They're they're playing well. They're getting the they're getting the most out of their top players, which has been an issue in, in recent years. Um, yeah, it's it's hard to say. It really is because when you look at when you when you look at the just the basic numbers, like you said, their goals per game average, the 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 goals, the individual goal numbers. You know, they've got 20 plus goals from Tanner Janot and close to 20 from Yakov Trenin and close to 20 from Ryan Johansson and 30 plus from Philip Forsberg and Matt Duchesne. You know, I still think however still still missing a winger on that second line. <laughs> right. I think 
you know, to me, there are two players who are sort of MIA in that in that regard. And I think I know the two that you're going to. Ellie Tolvanen and Luke Cunning. Yep. I I I think that if both both of them are not having great offensive seasons, and I think if they were playing, a, you know, when I look at the Predators right now and I look at their lineup, you know. I get kind of flashbacks to the 2018 playoffs. So fans will remember that when the Predators, I know this is probably going to bring up bad memories, but when the Predators traded for Kyle Turris, they immediately put him in between Kevin Fiala and Craig Smith. And from that moment through the rest of the regular season, they were the best best lines in the league from a strict goal differential standpoint. Goals for versus against when was they that, were on the ice. Was that a November trade? It like was. Very it was November early. 2017. And like, for like for like three or four months, they were phenomenal. Yeah, they were. They were great. They they were one of the best lines in the league. Like I said, from just a straight goal differential standpoint. I went back and looked, if I recall this correctly, because it's been about a week since I looked in the 2018 playoffs. I think that line was on the ice for two goals in two series. Like yeah, they got pushed around. They got they got pushed yeah. around. The you know in terms of in terms of production you had the Forsberg Johansson Arvidsson line leading the way and the second most productive lines was Colton Sissons Nick Bonino and Austin Watson and that's going to sound a lot that's going to sound pretty familiar to this year I think right so that's especially one, if Forsberg's going to play on the top line right like that's that's something that gives me pause about about what we're seeing like do you think they should move those lines back together the top two lines do you think they should put because because that's the that, like Granlin Forsberg and Duchesne back together and put Tolvanen and cutting back with Johansson. Well, Gr- well, Granlin's production has has dropped because he's not playing with like with with the best guys. And so I don't know. I'm just curious. Like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it, the idea is to spread the wealth a little bit. Uh, yeah, on the top I, two lines. Right. I, I I certainly I certainly hear that. Um, by the but, way, to, by the way, Tolvanen has nine goals. Cunning has twelve. They have twenty points total. Philip Tomasino has ten goals, fifteen assists, and twenty five points. Wait, how and many? Playing on the wait, fourth Tolvanen line. and and Cunning have twenty points combined. No, 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 twenty each. Oh, twenty each. I was about Sorry. to say that's that's worse than I thought. Um, you know, it, to me, if by, I, by the way, Tolvanen is shooting six percent. Right. Tanner Janot is shooting twenty two percent. I think so. Tolvanen, by many measures, is having one of the unluckiest seasons in the league. Because I here's the thing I noticed too. He's on the ice in critical shifts. Yeah. Like, like he, they, think, they don't not trust him. They I, trust him. I think he's playing well, like yeah. overall, but he you know to me He's he, on the penalty kill sometimes. I'm like, me, what are you Tolvanen, doing? Out there? To me, Tolvanen this season is a lot like Matt Duchesne was last season. Like Matt you, you would hear Matt Duchesne say, yeah. I'm getting the chances, I'm not scoring and you kinda like distinct winking motion a little bit when you heard that <laughs> but like when you really dug into it he was right like the analytics were in his favor he should have scored more goals than he did last year but he didn't you know i feel like tolvanen is in that same boat like tolvanen is doing some really good things he just isn't scoring you know if to me if you were to ask He's if, fourth on the team in shots if you were like the one the one lineup change i would make right now would be i would and it's hard to say because I actually do think this line is playing pretty well. But I would switch Cunning with Tomasino. I would put Cunning with Cousins and McCarron and Tomasino with Tolvanen and Grant. You're, you're, swa- you're, you're swapping out a little bit of skill for a little bit of Right, like Cunning, like Cunning, yeah. Cunning as a player fits on a line yep. more with Cousins yep. and McCarron than Tomasino does. But they actually, but that line's actually been playing pretty they, well. They have been, and McCarron with a couple of goals. Right. Um I, I think what's how do you feel about the nickname Big Sexy? I don't I don't care for it. It doesn't bother me. I don't really care for it. Why? I don't know. Is it a you thing? Yeah. Like, like get the you get the the heebie-jeebies feeling a little weird. I will say th- I sexy? will say this though. You can say BDE, but it's fine. <laughs> but not Big Sexy. Okay. I, I just think there's right. you know anyway. I, I do th- I would like to give Michael McCarron credit though. He was talking about the Sissons line after the game on Tuesday, and he referred to them as quote a bunch of mutants. Oh, I love and that, and I and I think that was great. Oh, I love that. So no more herd line. Yeah. That herd line is the so bun- PG. The bunch of mutants. A bunch of mutants. Yes. I like that. Well, it, and guess what? They start every important shift and every important period. They they're on the ice. The no, mutant, I, I haven't mutants. looked. I, I haven't looked this up. But last year, I feel like their line, the Sissons line, started every game. Like they were on. They were the line yeah. that took the opening draw. And I remember asking John Hines about that. It's like, why do you always start Sissons line? It's like because that's the line that sets the tone. Yeah. So. You know, I don't think that's happened this year. I think they, they like to fight people. 
and they can score goals. Right. So <laughs> what else do you need to you know? know? For me, the Forsberg, Johansson, Duchesne thing's working. I don't think you can break that up, and, I, I, and, and I don't fair. think you can break up the Trent and Sissons, Janot line either. So but you, really, but you, that you know they're going to run into a line in the playoffs that shuts the top line down. That's what the playoffs do. To me, somebody's great third line is going to shut them down. So I, so I, one of the more amazing statistics from that 2018 playoffs was I actually believe, like, so the the Benino line with Sissons and Watson was matched up against McKinnon, Landeskog, and Rantanen, and I believe, yeah, they were they outscored that line five nothing when they were on the ice together. That's a hell of a number. Like that line was like to, so in a way the Sissons line today. Is going to probably fill the same role as yep. this as the Benino Sissons Watson line of a few years and ago. And I think they're more talented. I would agree. Yeah. So to me, oh, we got to get to the tribute. Video I know, too, but to me that to me it's it, it remains that second line. Like if they Tolvanen, Granlin, yep. and yep. Cunning, and Granlin's been playing well, I think. But I they as a line need to be more productive. That's that gives me pause. Okay, I'm I, I agree with you on that. Here's the other thing and the defensive depth. I, I, here's what I was going to say. They've been. F- Find trying to find defensive depth, and we can, if we'd like to spend a few minutes ripping on their new defense piece, that's that's fine. Um, Jeremy Lazan can be can be the stand-in cutout here for all the things we're going to say. First of all, they clearly missed Dante Fabro. Not something I was going to thought I was going to say, but they clearly missed Fabro. And I here's the problem though with this: if you told me that they had their top six defensemen healthy and were playing top six minutes. The, the 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 four that we know that they've got with Fabro healthy and then Berbietsky and 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 Benning, I would feel very comfortable about those six guys. We talked about this early in the year. Like this is as good a top six as we've seen. Why is this one of the Saros has been great most of the year. He's had a couple of stretches where he's played like a human, which is fine. But okay, why is this one of the lowest, one of the worst defensive teams we've seen? And and what'd you say before the show? They were the the third worst. I think goals of the, against average. I think of the twenty-three seasons of the Predators, including this season, I think they were twentieth out of twenty-three currently in goals against per game. So that's that's Predators' defense relative to itself. Yes. Now they're still a top upper half defensive team in the NHL, so that kind of indicates one you've got to take into account that scoring is just sort of generally and yes. broadly. And up the Predators in were defense only for right. for the mature, for right. the early portion of their history. But if you're trying to find out, well, why is this team breaking all these records and doing all these great things, but still just fourth place in the division? Well, the fact that they're giving up almost three goals a game is probably part of it. it, it like March was the greatest month of scoring in, in Preds history. It was also one of the worst months of defense in Preds history. So I don't, I, we, we've got to include that. And, and, and <laughs> I don't know what you've seen from Lausanne, but stay, stay on your feet, dude. Like that's number one, like stop falling down. That's that'll, that'll go over well. Just not don't, it's been a lot of falling from, from number three. So first of all, did anyone, did anybody consult with, Seth Jones before allowing Jeremy Lozon to wear that number. I'm kidding, of course. Yeah. It was mm-hmm. remember when remember when Phil Myers took number six at the beginning when he first got traded there and it was like it's Shay Weber's number and then he changed. People get worked up over very strange things. Yes. So so do we. You you don't like big sexy, but you're fine yeah. with Is this, mutants. Yes. So you know, <laughs> so um so Lozon when when they traded a second round pick for him, it was considered an overpay. And, he thinks so. and the way that I see it is, you know, he's, he's, I think 24. Yep. Um, he's under team control. Um, you know, he, he wasn't, play, you know, his numbers were bad playing for a bad team. Like I always, I always have to consider that. Um, I don't like, I don't think he's been awful so far for the Predators, but to me, if, if he continues to develop and he can, hold down a, a third pairing job for the next four or five years for this team, then a second second round pick doesn't seem like too much. That's to fine. Pay. No, I'm, I agree with that. But then again, but he's you playing know, on the top four and he's not right, been good. Right. So, so I mean that. like some, you know what? Some guys are meant to be third pairing defensemen <laughs> at the end of the day. Would you rather have Jeremy Lozon on the ice or Ben Harper? Jeremy Lozon. See, yes. that's it. Everyone, you know, Ben Harper is is a big punching bag. I'd rather have Dante Fabro. Right, but like, I, I think we all agree, and all and by all I mean the two of us, but I'm sure our listeners agree as well <laughs> that ideally your top three defensive pairs are Yossi and Carrier. Sorry, is Yossi and Fabro? Yossi and Fabro, Ekholm and Carrier, Morvienski and Benning. Yes, those like that, those are your six. Yeah, done. I agree. End of story. 
you know, with all due respect to Ben Harper and Matt Tennyson and Jeremy Davies and Jeremy Lozon, you know, if they're not Davey, playing, Davey's, it's not a bad thing. Davies didn't look all that hot on uh, Tuesday night either. Now, I will say Ottawa puts a lot of pressure just on how they play. Yes. It, it forces you quick decisions. you got to be convicted in what you're doing, and some of those young defensemen are, are not. Um, which leads us right into the question you have about John Hines' reaction after the game. Our existential qu- question here about the team that we'll sort of wrap up the show today on, and that is um, you you kind of – this is this is your question, so I'll let you ask it, but basically what's more important at this time of year to be collecting points or how you collect points? Is that basically yeah, what you're saying? Yeah, uh, you know, so John Hines was asked after the game, and I think I said this already, but we go long, so I don't remember what I said 30 minutes ago, but the – but, um, you know, he was asked after the game, what were your thoughts? A general question. What were your thoughts on this game? And he goes, I have a lot of thoughts. And you could tell that he was not pleased with the overall performance. And I, and when, you know, between this game. He got outskated. They got out worse. game. Yeah. And, I mean, they've, they've taken steps in the right direction from the two 6-1 losses they took on the road. But they're not, they're not playing – they just played two of the worst teams in the entire NHL, and they, were, and and they, they struggled. Right, they were yeah. not great games. Um, you know, you don't you don't look at either of those games and say, "Man, the Predators just outworked and out hustled yep. yep. and and just asserted their dominance over these lesser teams." So I understand the idea of you know, especially because they're going to be playing, as I broke down earlier, some really tough games down the stretch. You know, they're playing Calgary, they're playing Colorado, they're playing mm-hmm. Minnesota a couple of times. You know they are going Pittsburgh, to Pittsburgh, St. Louis, Saint Tampa Louis, Bay, right? They're playing Florida, <laughs> right? They're playing some really good teams yeah. down the stretch. So you want to be playing at your best. They do play up and down to competition, though. All season they do. I they there have been yeah. I would agree with that. They do play. I mean, I I think this is a team that gets up. I mean, like I, this is a team that gets up for big games. Yep. And so it's almost might be a, a blessing in disguise, so to speak, that they're playing all of these tough games down the stretch versus playing a very easy schedule of teams that don't have anything yeah. to play for. Um, so, like, I do think it is. I do think it's important that um, I do think that it's important that they get back to playing the way they want to play. But if if they're let's if let's just say they collect 18 of 30 points like i said over the course of their last 15 games you're in the playoffs yeah like and that's to me, the number one it's most not about thing. style points like i you don't want them you do, you don't want to enter the playoffs on the wrong foot you no. want to be you if we we always say peaking at the right time right. well okay so ask ask the question straightforward is it more important at this stage of the season to be winning the right way quote unquote or is it more important to just be winning, period? I, I think the answer is actually really easy. Number one is points, no matter what. Number one is points. But if you think you're a team that can make a run, you better be doing it your way. Is that a fair answer? Like Yes. I As a fan of a team, you need the points as a first priority to get into the playoffs to give yourself a chance, period. Like, period, points are what matters, number one. Not even close, it's points. But if you want to be an actual threat, if you want to actually have an opportunity to win a series or two and to challenge Colorado or Calgary, whoever the best teams are in the Western Conference for a deep playoff run, then you better be do you better be collecting those points in the way you want to collect them. Yeah. Which is setting the tempo 200 feet, you know, four check, four check, four check. Like how many times did they talk about how we couldn't just get the put like, oh, Ottawa plays this weird blue line strategy and you can't get the puck in deep. Well, no, get the puck in deep. Play your game. Right. And, and and if you are winning and collecting points while playing your game, that is the, your old, like, do the voice again, where you're like, you got to be playing the right way at the gotta right be time. the right way. Peak at the right time. Peak at the right time. <laughs> Which, frankly, is game one of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Like, you need to be playing your best game on in that night and that night only to start. Right. But, like, you, I understand the idea that you don't want to enter a first-round series with Calgary or Minnesota and not feel good about where your game is, despite the fact that you made the playoffs and you won more than you lost down the stretch. Yeah, you don't want to exhale. You want to be, like, breathing fire. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because, like, if you clinch and you get in and you're sort of, like, scrapping and clawing and you're barely doing it and you're like, okay, we got in. Take a breath. That's how you get beat yeah. in the first round. But if you're if you're steamrolling your way in, playing at the best, 
peaking at the right time. That's not as good as yours. Yeah, it's fine. Can't do it. It never is. You want to do touch? Coach, I can do Coach K better than you can do. <laughs> better than I can do the voice. You wanted to touch on the Austin Watson. Uh, yeah, I just. Tribute video. So here's my thing. I think tribute videos are silly, especially for Matt Irwin um, and like assistant coaches. I get why they did it for Lavi. Um, Austin Watson also elicits a very sort of interesting backstory. I think no matter who you are as a fan, I think you can kind of. And you've talked a lot about Austin Watson and your relationship with him. I, I think it doesn't. I think any Preds fan can feel however they want to feel about Austin Watson. If some if, if a Preds fan comes up to me and says, "Listen, I just can't root for the guy," I'll be like, "Okay." Mm-hmm. If somebody comes up to me and says, "Look, I I I applaud him for going into dealing with his his issues and he's coming out the other side and I'm rooting for him," I'm fine with that too. Like I kind of am just okay with you as a fan deciding how you want to to react. And I, I what I don't always love, and this applies to like. This goes all the way back to like every athlete ever. Like Josh Hamilton. Remember Josh Hamilton, baseball player? Yes, for the Rangers. Like huge what I don't love as a fa- as a as a human being in this country is how much we fawn over the comeback story. I think the comeback stories are great, but we don't fawn over the guy who never had the heroin addiction. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Like that guy doesn't get any credit at all for not ever doing any of the stupid things. And I'm not putting Austin Watson into that category. Right. I'm just saying in general we are going to see this year in the NFL exactly how that plays out with Deshaun Watson. Exactly, exactly. Exactly how that plays out with Just Deshaun Watson. Like I, the fawning over a person who overcame adversity. I'm like, what about the guy who overcomes adversity every single day and never did anything wrong? I, I just that that's always right. something that and, rubs me the wrong and, way. But and, yes. but here's what I'll say about the tribute video for Austin Watson, and I think Mason said it on the broadcast. In between all the fawning, if you are on that team, if you were on the team that made it to the cup. You will always be a, a specific type of special in this town. Yeah, and I and I'm kind of okay with that. I think that's fair. I'm kind and, of okay. And with Austin it. had a, a really good playoffs that year. Um, yep. And, and look, like you said, it's it's complicated. Like, you know, Austin Watson, from you know, from a from my standpoint, and the way that I do my job or did when dressing rooms were open. Uh, though the NFL did say that I locker know. rooms are opening next season, so hopefully the where NHL you at NHL? Knows. Where you Ex- at? Exactly. You know, Austin. You know, I, I really, I really like Austin Watson. Like, I understand what he did was wrong, but I also understand that he he rectified that, or you could, I guess you could say rectified it. It is a very complicated question. It's a very complicated subject to talk re- about. Reconciled. Reconciled. With okay. his own family. They, they ha- And by the way, they have the right to choose and right. behave how they want to behave right. with themselves. It was, like, that's it their was, choice. Look, what, what happened, what you know, allegedly happened, um, was, you know, you, you never want to be in those domestic violence situations. Um, well, but don't even make it that serious. If, if somebody cheats on someone else and they decide to stay together, that's their business. Right. Like that's not and our business. Complicated is the right word to use because right. when I remember when he was traded, I remember when Austin was traded. I think the general reaction from Predators fans, at least those that are, you know, we know that Twitter is uh, an echo chamber and it doesn't, it's not representative it's of not the entire life. fan yeah. base. But a lot of people were happy because it's like, well, now I don't have to root for him anymore. But life's not that easy. It's it's not that so. easy. But I thought it was nice that they did that. And I think your point or Chris's point that you elaborated on is is an astute one. That you know the 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 players who had an impact on that 2017 playoff experience, including Austin Watson, will always have a, a place yep. in the heart of Predators fans. Even Cody McLeod. Yeah. Harry Zolnerchuk. Harry Zolnerchuk. There's a reason we can cite off these guys' names, like Freddie Goudreau. And yeah. There's a reason we can rattle off all those Freddie's things. Freddie's killing it in Minnesota. Right? I know. Well, everybody in Minnesota. You want to talk about Every it? former Predator is killing it in Minnesota right, right. now. Right. Uh, I cannot believe Fiala and Hart- Ryan Hartman's numbers are just insane, by the way. That will, that to me, and this He is, was worth the first round pick. We will end this, <laughs> we, we'll, we'll end on this sidebar, because... Well, can I, can I wrap up the Austin Watson thing? Sure, real? go just, ahead. I just want to put a hold... I did not intend to get into that part of the conversation. Right. I understand, but yeah. I, I think it is fine to give a tribute video to Austin Watson and any other player or person who's a part of that cup run because that cup run is going to be special. Do I think it's a little overkill at times? Yes. Do I think we fawn over someone who overcoming adversity a little too much sometimes and not focus on sort of the people that are actually never doing it? Yes, it kind of, it kind of just bothers me. But I'm also totally fine with anyone having any take about Austin Watson. I want to make sure that's clear. Like, whatever you feel about Austin Watson... 
is fine with me. My favorite predators related, uh, my favorite predators related uh, tribute video moment is when Ryan Johansson went back to Columbus for the first time and didn't get one, and he and he <laughs> wasn't happy about That's it. That's tremendous. That was my favorite part. That is tremendous. All right, that's a good sidebar to end it on. Uh, for Adam Bingen, pay for good journalism. Go to the Athletic, of course. Follow him on the Twitters at Adam Bingen. My name is Braden Gall. Go to Jasper's, everybody. Free parking, great happy hour, great drink specials, all that great stuff. You can watch. North Carolina beat Duke on Saturday. So go check it out. Predators games as well. For Adam, my name is Braden. This has been the Gold Standard Podcast here on the 440 Sports Network.